This is the Greyhorn Pagans Podcast. Here we talk everything paganism, heathenism, witchcraft, mystery, and mythology. Sit back, relax, open your minds, and then let's take you back to the days of our ancestors. Welcome everyone to the Greyhorn Pagans Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to yet another edition of the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. My guest for today is Mr. Thomas Sheridan. Thomas, thank you so much for coming on. Introduce yourself to the good public. Introduce yourself to the good people. Hi, Sting. It's great to be here, finally. Uh, we had a few false alarms, but I finally made it. Uh, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, my name is Thomas Sheridan. I live in Ireland. I've done a lot of things. Uh, I've written some books on everything from true crime, psychopathy in the corporate workplace to paganism, druidry, uh, the ancient megaliths of Ireland, Atlantis, uh, occultism, um, the occult history of Germany. And I've made lots of videos. I've annoyed lots of people too. And uh, that's basically <laughs> <the point. laughs> Yeah, so you've uh, done pretty much everything across the whole spectrum. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a great, you know, I, I grew up quite poor, so I said if I was ever going to get any opportunities in life, I was going to take every single one of them and, and you know, put a, I mean, my, my philosophy from the time I was a little kid was I was going to, if I was ever going to get a saddle on the devil's back, I was going to ride it. And that was like, you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd do that. Yeah, because yeah. how is it growing up in Ireland? Like, it's a, predominant catholic country and you are a pagan so how how did you manage to well, find your path well i grew up you know i grew up in the northern area i grew up in the north side of dublin which was uh, i grew up in a very sort of tough working class neighborhood fortunately my family didn't really care about religion and i wasn't pressured or anything you know I, I did the usual things the schools make you do like your first holy communion and all that nonsense but uh, I know I was never had any problems with that and uh, not at all actually never been bothered by it I think you'd be surprised how tolerant well they used to be how tolerant Irish people were towards paganism uh, because it, it, it's not a million miles from like orthodox Catholicism in many ways well, you'd find that like to be much more hostility towards paganism in traditionally Presbyterian countries particularly countries that had strong histories of like puritanical Presbyterianism. So, you know, like Scotland, parts of England, Holland, maybe definitely Sweden, Finland. I know, I know Holland has had a much more uh, tolerant tradition, but in Germany, terrible, you know, terrible persecution of anything even remotely considered pagan. We never had a Lutheran culture here, so we, were, we, we avoided all that. So honestly, it was never any problems at all. And he, he said it to someone, you, you know, the worst that would happen was to be go, they'd laugh at you. You're running around stones in the nude and this kind of thing. You wouldn't get any, I've never once encountered any kind of hostility or anything like that. Oh, interesting. I um, I mean, I know that uh, Catholicism, there is still a lot of uh, paganism to be found in there. Um, I've talked about this many times, even a good good friend of mine who is a, uh, a Catholic, he's like pretty 
hardcore Catholic, but he's a he's a good guy. He he uh, told me, you know what, just just become Catholic. Like it's basically the same thing anyway. It's just you know it's the right faith. But how did you manage to um, like what what was your your pagan path like? How did you come to uh, to find the gods, or how did they find you? I guess I should ask. When I was about nine or ten years old, we were taken on a primary school trip to Tara and Newgrange, which is not that far from Dublin, which is major megalithic centers from the Neolithic period right up to the well, up until the Christian times of Tara. I mean, it was it was a, a sort of a center of Ireland for thousands of years and of the ancient kings, and it was the last place on earth that the 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 you had the ceremony of the king marrying symbolically marrying the goddess era. And before the Christians, you know, you know, made it illegal or whatever. And um, so they took us to Newgrange and they, we went inside the, the passageways and saw all the ancient carvings. And it just was like, what are these moments? It's like, well, how come <laughs> no one ever told me about this? You know, this is like, what? This, this is real? You know, it was like I was in a, what, uh, entering a Tolkien novel, you know, this kind of thing. And then they took us afterwards later in the day to... A church in a city nearby called Drada, and in the church is a head of a Catholic martyr. He had his head; his head was chopped off, and he's now a saint. And his head is supposed to be perfectly preserved, and it looks like it's it's been rotten away for centuries. But he's supposed mm. to be uncorrupted. But it made me physically ill and sick being in the church, and made me feel I was in place of evil. But when I was in the actual inside the the passage chambers in Newgrange, I felt wonderful, and. Um, the next day in school, I, I, the teachers till the teaching is all about this guy that his head has been chopped off, and he's a great martyr for Catholicism and blah blah and blah blah. blah. And I says, oh, "Oh, teacher, you know, can you tell us more about Newgrange and the the, the Boyne Valley?" And he goes, "Oh, that was just a place where they worship the dead," which is ironic because they took us to see the head of a dead person inside a Catholic church. The only time we yeah. worshipped the dead was actually in the Catholic church. So that was like a moment. Then I started getting my bicycle. And you, you know, Ireland is absolutely full of ancient sites and megaliths. I mean, this of the fort, there's forty thousand of the ringed enclosures alone, and they were like they're everywhere. They're in cities and everything. And so I started getting my bicycle and cycling around North Dublin, looking for round towers and anything that gave me a clue of a, a past they didn't teach us about. And then they also, when I was in school, a bit younger than that, they they used to give in the Irish language. Um, Irish mythology lessons and it was there was amazing curriculum in school books they had beautiful Celtic illustrations of like the gods and goddesses from ancient Ireland and that was a that was a huge one as well because the the, the school book we ever put together was like a comic book so it was really lavishly illustrated with beautiful Celtic right. art so that was a that was a big major one too but but you see I grew up in an English speaking part of Ireland and Irish was not my first language so they almost like they, they did it in such a way that was difficult for me to even learn about it you know the kind of thing i have to do it in a different in another language so that kind of thing <clears throat> yeah no that that sounds that sounds familiar i ireland is uh, is a country that I still would uh, would love to visit i would love to uh, to see all those megalithic sites it's uh, just you know times are a bit tough now unfortunately um especially with the whole uh, you know, like still the whole, whole quote-unquote oh. pandemic thing going on. It's still uh, there's still some bullshit about that. Of course, um, I heard from your um, from your videos that that was 
particularly bad in um in Ireland like you were one of the the worst even like uh, even um, worse than Canada you know, horrible lockdown everything was closed for like a long time it's completely opened up now you can come over now it's fine it's no problems but uh it was obnoxious it was deliberately done by a government who was being sexually excited by the fact of keeping us prisoners it's just all these creepy globalist snm freaks in government who were turned on by uh and then also played on the kind of darkness of the irish character uh the kind of like they gave they gave the ordinary normie in ireland a new religion and the religion was COVID, and uh they they worshipped it like a god yeah fanatically yeah well we have those those uh creepy crawlers here in the netherlands too uh unfortunately but we never had those um those hard lockdowns fortunately enough um we had some issues but we made it through eventually and the uh the ironic thing is i uh i've talked with um someone else about this on my podcast georgina rose it was actually in that time like during the first uh first lockdown and end of 2019 beginning of 2020 when there when the pagan revival like really kicked off because people were you know locked in taken taken away from nature and i mean you know the saying it the saying is of course you know absence make their heart uh makes the heart grow fonder uh is there anything uh particular in uh in ireland um that you know hints at a pagan revival because i know it's you know it's strong but it's not like really out there yet it's still a lot of talk in in groups and on the internet uh i know you've been particularly uh busy with that and trying to get people together um irl how is that how is that working out how's that how's that going well that was one of the the great things about the lockdown i mean christianity better not be real because i'm going straight to hell because uh, <laughs> i probably i probably and i don't need, i probably got or encouraged thousands of if not tens of thousands of irish people to return back to the old ways uh, uh that was a big deal because they were forsaken during those where, where was their jesus where was their god where was their everything during those times when they were locked down and uh i believe and i'm i'm not being narcissistic here i know it's true because they tell me all the time that i constantly meet people who say i'm i'm i was used to be catholic or i used to be protestant and uh, i'm now i now consider myself a pagan now a huge part of this change was that a lot of irish people who didn't particularly like Christianity had a very false view of paganism because they confused it with Wicca and neo-pagan. And, you know, the biggest barrier there was trying to get them over. You see, Wicca was very big in Ireland. And that came that comes out of a strong magical tradition here that came out of things like the Golden Dawn and Kabbalism and stuff that were brought from like aristocrats through the pop you know the you know Ireland was a major major center for, for wicca for a long time and especially in the 70s and you had you know your man farah here he was like the god of wicca and him and his wife were living in ireland writing you know basically do, writing all this stuff i'm not putting really anything wrong with it i'm just saying that was not paganism so irish people grew up thinking paganism was wicca and this nonsense you know and they were kind of very there was very little knowledge about the indo-european pagan side of things so and then you had other kinds of things. You had other nonsense, like this Celtic church thing, 
there's this belief that the Celtic Church, the original Celtic Church of Ireland, was somehow pagan, a mixture of pagan and Christianity, when it was 100% Jewish. It was completely rabbinical. That's a complete. That's one of the greatest lies ever peddled that the Celtic Church of Ireland was somehow a mixture of. It was actually we we actually ironically became more more pagan after the Synod of Whitby when the Celtic Church was abolished and Catholicism was brought in. I mean, they had things like circumcision and women were forbidden from going to church. And they had things like the Sabbath was held on a Saturday and they kept kosher and stuff like this. And here I was being told that this was the true Celtic religion of Ireland. Celtic Church was completely Second Temple rabbinical. Uh, the early Roman, the early Roman Church was extremely Jewish. And that's what first came to Ireland. Now, I'm not saying anything wrong with it, but that's what it was. But there was all this nonsense peddled by these kind of New Age hippies saying, oh, they used to worship Lou and Jesus in their ceremonies. Now, what are you on about, you know? And then they would say things like, you know, well, see, the, the patron saint of Ireland, the Saint Bridget, who's actually the goddess Breed, who's basically a kind of a, she's kind of like a Shiva type character in the, in terms of the pantheon, when you really dig into it. And you compare it to like the, 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 the Vedic thing. And... Um, you know, they were saying, like, oh, the Celtic Church venerated her. No, she was forbidden, all the early saints. It was the Catholics who actually made it okay to, you know, incorporate the old gods and goddesses as, as saints and stuff like that. So that was a great myth. So it's, it's taken me a while to sort of deprogram people from both, from misunderstandings is the way I'd put it, and mm -hmm. just say, oh, no, you know, and I wrote a book called The Druid Code, which kind of, like, lays it out in very careful language that, you know, there's a, a proto there's a proto spiritual tradition going back into indo-european times that we share with the hindus in india and we also have here and it's contains comparative archetypes of the gods that's all over the world i think i think one of the videos i made that really changed things and this is about a year and a half ago where i said that and, and it really strongly r rang with people in ireland is when i said that pagans in Celtic pagans have no issues with Nordic pagans. They have no issues with Hindus. Hindus have no issues with Iberian pagans. And it's just because ultimately there was never a religious war in ancient times. There was wars over resources. There was wars over land. There was wars over lots of things. But there was no wars over my God was better than yours. That didn't really start until this and this thing from the Middle East took over. And you have the concept of jihad and crusade that became incorporated into our cultures. But I was very much of the line that, uh, like, you know, in ancient times, a, 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 an, a, an Irish Celtic pagan could encounter a Slavic pagan or even, you know, a, a, even a Hindu and say things like, well, we have a god who represents a raven who carries his souls to heaven. Or what do you know? We have the Valkyries. And, and, and all the archetypes were all spooling back to these commonalities that were sort of like core archetypes and that was a huge way if any of you out there are trying i know it's a weird thing is they convert people to paganism because we don't convert to anyone but it's funny but if you want to help people find their path a great way of doing that is to talk about how there was no interspiritual conflicts between between any of the pagan traditions like when i was in sri lanka i was going to the hindu temple every day perfectly happy and i was like this is what it would be like if you know constantine hadn't issued the edict of milan this is what our, our religions would be like today so uh that was yeah so i think i've done a good i think i've done a good job there good start anyway and i'm not finished yet but i'd absolutely say that paganism is now coming back big time in ireland because they now realize 
you don't have to be some idiot wearing a robe and Harry holding a snap and calling yourself <laughs> they realize you can be a guy who dresses like me you or me uh, works in an office works in a factory you know or doesn't do anything and looks like a regular guy or woman walking down the street but are a pagan and that was a that was a huge one to get over this 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 like this kind of this weirdo outside a yurt with a staff calling himself you know whatever you know that 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 was all that they were all huge inhibitors to the to, to the true restoration of paganism which i believe is like yourself and other people it's happening now yeah no that's that's indeed the the one thing that's always been associated with paganism those weirdos out on the on the streets or um you know first impressions of uh, paganism are often um what i like to call the uh TikTok Vikings, uh, you know the people with um, the shaved sides, and you know they, doing they or like yeah. placing Lothbrok after their name because you know oh, I'm a Viking. Yeah, uh, I think that like those people are indeed a a great inhibitor, um, which is why it's so important um, that you know we show them like how it's actually like, um, and indeed the. Uh, the pantheons are a lot the same, and they uh, they do come from uh, from the same source. Of course, um, I have been discovering that uh, in my you know in my years in my uh, my research and just talking with other people as well. And uh, like I was curious, how does Celtic paganism relate to uh, Nordic paganism or Germanic paganism? Because there is still a bit of a difference you know between the um, let's say the Tuatha de Danan and the Aesir for example a lot of commonalities but still very much different so how how would you relate that to each other it's a very difficult thing to do and I'll tell you why both the Nordic tradition and the Celtic tradition were written down by Christian monks before that they were or they were strictly oral traditions and they were written. I mean, there was that. Well, there was some writing and things like Ulm in Ireland and in uh, the ruins in the Burtek in Nordic world. But ultimately, the the stories, the Eddas and the, the the mythological cycles, the annals of Ireland, were written down by Christian monks. Now you have to remember this is a kind of a great reset kind of thing, where they were taking the past and they were, by you know, jeezing it, Jesus, Jesus it up. You know, Abrahaming it up, you know. So yeah. you had situations like where, you know, the Parthalon, the first people who supposed to came to Ireland were like, you know, Noah's children from Noah's daughter, granddaughter from Egypt and stuff like this. And we've had a terrible problem, awful problem in Ireland with British Israelism, which was like a weird cult that took place among like wealthy Protestants in, in Scotland, in England and America during in the last century, late in the early 1900s. And they were obsessed with connecting you know anything in this in, in, in ancient times to the bible so therefore the two of Danon, which means the, the tribe of the goddess tanu was actually the tribe of daniel from the bible the lost is trials of israel and we're still living with that or scotland was named after an egyptian princess called scothia we're still living with this awful nonsense you know that's that's pushed here by these british israelites even in the alternative scenes a big huge problem and um so that's still going on the legacies of those monks that started writing the stuff down like Sorensen in in iceland and um 
you know the, the Christian monks at Clonmac Noise here in Ireland. They stay, and I, I own it in Scotland. They, they, it's we're still living with that legacy of their distortions of the truth. However, when I wrote the book, the Druid Code, that was the purpose. It was trying to find data points where you can say, okay, this is like this, and this is like this, and can this lead back to this? And they were like archetypal punch points, right? Where there were mm-hmm. commonalities, commonalities across all the pantheons, right? Right, the Greek, everything, Roman, everything. And then you sort of like, well, you have a kind of silver bullet then. You know that that archetype is definitely correct in certain ways. Now, it, it, you know, I, I looked into the, the, the into Nordic thing. If you start looking back, you know, what they call Celtic really is just a, a, a name. You know, like that we don't even know what the Celtic people were. It was just a, it basically means a, a Greek word, Celtoid, which means a foreigner. That's all it means. Someone who wasn't mm-hmm. Greek or Roman. And so you, you had Italians who were Celts and, you know, you had the Anatolians in, in Turkey who were Celts and you had your guys in Holland, the, the Belgae and all those, they were all Celts and stuff like that. But they were not the same. They were different tribes. However, what is interesting is that if you look at the archaeological stuff, the, the, you have you do have a distinction between the Germanic kind of uh, cultures in your part of the world, up in the Scandinavian through Germany and down in the parts of France, and you do have a, a Celtic kind of archaeological record in Europe. You know the Hallstatt culture type things, right? The yeah. uh, the uh, what's the oh I forget the name of the word now, but the the type of art uh, begins the letter T. You'll come to me, but anyway, they. They, as the further you go back, they seem to merge deeper in the record. So I'm talking at the time, you know, the, the Nerba Sky Disc. They were almost similar. They, so they all came from a similar route as well. But it was a European, proto-European route that was kind of pre-Indo-European. So we're, we're, we're dealing with some very ancient things here. So the, the Celtic stuff, how does it differ? Well, it differs in the similar ways that it's very much, well, it's very much based on the idea of heroic you know, there are heroic lords, okay? Well, you have Wotan and you have Odin in the, the, the Anglo-Saxon, Germanic, Viking, whatever you want to call them, Pantheon. You have Kukulin mm. in Ireland, where but they have been conflated with Jesus Christ and that they, they, they try to make, these monks wrote them down that they were, he was making a sacrifice, but it wasn't, a, a, they, they died heroic warriors. This is why I've never believed that Jesus' story was readily accepted by our uh, ancestors because there's too much of a heroic lord aspect within our pagan past for to accept. So he just gave up and they nailed him to a cross. That would be considered by our ancestors to be extremely weak and extremely ineffectual in leadership. But now we look back on it, we know that's exactly what you want. They want you weak. They want you weak and submissive. But uh, that's I've, I've made a film, I don't know if you've seen it, called Who Stole the All-Father? And I basically showed that Odin is basically, you know, Jesus Christ was basically Odin when the when the church was migrating into Northern Europe, the last place to become Christian. They, they basically took the symbol of Odin hanging from the Yggdrasil tree and converted it into Christ on the cross because that's how they sold the story. And there's loads of fantastic archaeological uh, artifacts like the Sandback crosses in England, which show like a mixture of uh, botanic and uh, he, he, uh, rabbinical images of both Jesus and Botan on either side of the cross to say this guy is this guy jesus is another vote another votan you know this kind of thing so that we you know when you hear people like native americans and say that we have been ravaged by the white man i always say no no we in europe were the first ones to get it we were ravaged by the abrahamics 
and what you were ravaged by was the same Abrahamics who stole our, you know, via the Roman Empire, when the Roman Empire just fell apart, you know, not the pagan Roman Empire, the post-Constantine uh, Roman Empire. So we're trying to pick up the pieces of our history as well. You're not alone in that regard. But uh, yeah, the differences, uh, not a lot, just, you know, very similar. There's a, a strong, there's a, there's a far stronger element, I think, on female aspects to the Celtic stuff. Yeah, a, far, a far bigger thing there. And I think that's why it appeals to a lot of uh, Wiccan type types because they it's filled with that. I think that's probably one of the main reasons it really took off in Ireland Wicca was because of the female aspects of it. But in terms of the actual baseline archety archetypes, there, you know, you have things like the, the belief in reincarnation. Although the Irish have a very interesting thing, you know, this is another thing you, you have to really dig to find any of this stuff because there's all kinds of gatekeepers, both within paganism here and other and in the churches. But the Irish concept of uh, reincarnation was based on an an, an, an idea called the summit, which was the belief that the soul transmigrated through all different animals and into you, very similar to Hinduism. So mm -hmm. basically, you understood how to catch a salmon because at one point you may have been a salmon. You understood how to catch a deer because your soul may have one point been a deer. It, it, it moves through the different life forms and, and, and through the humans as well. And when you reach human, you sort of break that kind of um, zoomorphic animalistic yeah. cycle and you move into a purely human cycle. So it's like, you know, and then this is this was this is what the this is what was thought. Now, another thing, too, was this, the Druids. The Druids is another thing that's often mis, uh, misinterpreted, disbelief in Dru the Druids. A lot of that is Vic kind of Victorian romanticism. Now, you'll have, like, to say that we know nothing. You, you talk to someone from the Anglo-Saxon world and they say, we know nothing about the Druids, only propaganda from, you know, the Romans. And they don't understand that the Irish pantheon is filled with references to the druids i mean it's it's, it's just tons of stuff there and that's more than complements and supplements what's in the roman and the roman and greek writings and that basically the druids were lawmakers involved in counseling they were very the, the magical part of it the mystical religious part of it was only one aspect of it you know that kind of thing it was just one aspect they were administrators they were healers they were doctors very heavily involved in genealogies because they believed they were when you think about geneticists really weren't they in many ways and that certain people certain families were geared towards warriorship and this kind of thing so if he marries her from horror the kids that they have will be really good in battle this kind of thing so they were clever that way and there was a lot of that so that was another one but you have the sailors in the nordic tradition which there's a lot of nonsense about them as well that i've read over the years that they try to make that they were gay men and drag queens and stuff like that yeah, but there were that, that was but that was to put down the shamanic stuff because I think the satyrs of the two groups, the satyrs were the nearest one to a proto-shamanic uh, understanding, and they had they were you know we do we know that shamanism lasted much longer in Central Europe than it did out on these islands. So you had like the Magyar shamans, and they would dress up, and I think that the satyrs probably did something else to you know this 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 classic world shamanic thing of not being a human. Now, and dressing up into something completely uncanny valleys to use the term and that way you're yeah. out of a consciousness and, and into another world of consciousness and i think the christians said oh they just dressed like a bunch of queens and stuff like that but they didn't understand that it was a shamanic expression 
yeah, they uh, they try to make it so that um, Odin by or Wotan by uh, you know learning Seder and you know he dressed as a woman. He was a crossdresser, and um, you know Loki was a fruit yeah. and all of that because you know he he you know he's a shapeshifter and you know the whole story about the um, the wall built around Asgard and you know that makes Loki a a fruit somehow uh um, rainbow bridge the rainbow bridge <laughs> oh girl yeah it's oh it's terrible yeah no, but uh the whole like abrahamic aspect uh i have um learned recently i i'm not sure if i like really agree with it it's something that i'm still kind of mulling over but that the whole um old father thing that Votan is like above kind of above all the other gods is very much um a abrahamic belief as well like very much comes from the uh the abrahamic faith that like you have one god and then you have all the other gods i mean Wotan, of course you know he sticks he, he's he for sure he's very powerful but uh and that even the name all father you know the name that we love to use that um that, that was very much a abrahamic thing you know he's the the god for everyone even though he's he's really not like i tried connecting with uh with Voton and i had a very hard time doing so and i don't think i'm ready uh for that yet he is a strong powerful god so to call him the all father I don't know, like Thor, Thor or Donar has always been more a, um, a god of the people, so it's very much easier to uh, to connect to him, like he is the archetypal warrior god, if you will, together with uh, Tyr, or Tilas, the god of justice. Um, so I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. It's something that, um, you know, like even 10 years down the line now, like nine, 10 years of um you know being a practicing pagan i'm still you know learning things still learning new things and that's also why i'm very happy to uh, to have you on because you like you just know so much you have talked about so much um and the whole uh druidry thing um that has um there is a ma major revival going on uh with that as well i believe it's in certain parts of Europe, it's now the third most popular religion. Or um, like in uh, like I've seen articles float by that at least in Cornwall, which is of course more England, but that uh, paganism is now considered the third religion, um, which is major, which is really really big. Even in Israel, there's a huge pagan revival that you never hear about. I know Israeli pagans that are returning back to the old Canaanite gods and stuff like that. Is it? We are living in a time where something seems to be happening. There's definitely... I'll tell you what, my, my theory of paganism is that one time there was this jigsaw puzzle that had been made up of paganism. And it had everything in Europe and Asia, everything, the Indo-European interconnected. And then the Abrahamics came along and they threw all the pieces on the ground. And ever since then, we have been trying to pick up those pieces 
and rebuild what our ancestors had in the past. And sometimes we find the wrong pieces and sometimes we find what, what uh, now the thing with, I'm glad you brought up the thing with the all father because I've never seen one in recent years. I have stopped seeing it that way. That's definitely God. That's, that's Jehovah. Okay. The idea of an all father, right? Now, if you look at the, the Indo-European pantheons, they're always tripartite. They're always triple goddesses, triple gods. Like you have in Ireland, it's Erua, Folda, and Bamba, the three goddesses of Ireland, right? You have the, the Hindus, you have uh, Shiva, Vishnu, and uh, Shiva, um, Vishnu, Brahman, Brahman. Yeah. And you have, uh, you have, uh, so I'm more inclined to think that it's really a tripartite thing. It's really uh, Votan, Dunar, and uh, Loki. And they all represent the three aspects of the god. It, of, of, and ultimately a reflection of the personality and the complexities of the human psyche and the the aspects of the co of the cosmos they're all reflected there light and shadow the whole thing and so i think that's what was if you were to really look at if you're no i'm not a nordic pagan and this is one of the things i'm going to annoy people now but you have a congregationalism which a churchiness has which has brought itself into northern paganism particularly in Presbyterian countries like Iceland and in America, where you have almost like priests and religious services and churches. And it's all looking very churchy and Abrahamic to me. And I don't think it was like that at all. And, you know, it's, it, it, instead of saying amen, they're saying, you know, hail or whatever. I don't know what they do. Instead of the, a communion wafer, they have a, a wine, they have ale. I don't know, I don't know what they do, but or me or whatever. It's all, to me, yeah. it's the same thing. It's the same bullshit. You know, and like I don't think that act, that actually went on back then. I think this is like, I think, I think Nordic paganism is about a hundred years behind Celtic paganism revival. We we've already gone through our Wicca, you know, the druid weirdo with a staff out in a cloak, out the weirdo, the sex the sex freak with a staff outside his his yurt. We've already passed through that, right? And we've now come back to, you know, you had the the, the guys dressed in white, calling themselves druids at Stonehenge. We've kind of gone past that, and we're now getting back to a kind of a pure thing. The Nordic paganism is still only really there, you know, and it's, it's still based on, oh, I, I have the box set of Vikings, therefore I'm, in, I'm a pagan, this kind of thing. So you guys are still suffering from that handicap, but it'll pass, it'll pass quickly. How do you yeah, feel about that? Um, yeah, no, I do think you're right, um, you know, kind of looking at what we're uh, what we're doing or what the the majority is doing um i mean you can see it like church services you know we're offering something and saying prayers to the gods and all of that and indeed the the hail thing is very very popular to say um <laughs> uh, you see that uh still too much indeed um i i never even looked at it that way but uh you know now that you mention it that that is very much what is uh what is going on it's why i you know always uh, try to tell people that like you know worshiping the gods or being thankful for the gods you, you can do that in everyday life exactly you know yeah. just by by being a good person by being the the, the best version of yourself that you that you can be, yes, of course, you know, on the solstices, you can, you know, have those major parties and whatever you want. That's that's all fine. It's, you know, that is uh, 
culturally appropriate that is historically accurate you know the, they are the turning points in the year of course um but it doesn't have to be a a major thing every time like you don't have to if you want something from um from the gods or if you want want help from the gods i shouldn't say if you want something from that it's more it's still like the, the whole abrahamic thing yeah. like you know i want something from you uh, because you know you're supposed to give me that yeah yeah spir spiritual welfare i call it yeah yeah, yeah pretty much um I, I do believe that um germanic paganism germanic paganism nordic paganism it is as you said still trying to uh Fine. to shed the, uh, the abrahamic cloak um which is tough you know we have we have the tech and we have the like uh, the major researchers um but it's it's hard you know I, I always go back to hinduism you know i, I it, that's an unbroken line back to the ancient ancestors in terms of spiritual practice and the temples are just boxes with the different effigies in them uh statues whatever and you just if today you want something from kali you go in and you ask Kali for something and you want something from Krishna. You go down the road and a few months later, go in again. There's no regular services. There's no congregationalism. There's no priest. The priests only, well, the, the, the priest only look after the temple. They, they take care of it, but they don't actually run services. And then, like you said, you have the feast days. So they have their holy and they have their other, their other feast days. And it's the same, it's the same with our ancestors that they would have had a grove that may have had statues and effigies and you know stones in it that they would have uh, offered sacrifice up to the gods and then they left and when they needed something down the road if their wife was pregnant and had complications they might go down and ask like you know some goddess for help with that and then go and sacrifice something give money to the poor whatever and then go back off and do something else and then you'd have the big the solstice of oh, by the way solstice greetings to yourself and everyone and they would have that and uh, they would have a, a festival at Samhain or a festival at some other some blots or something now and again and that was that that was that but this this congregationalism you get nordic paganism people have to be careful with that stuff it may be i understand you know you know be always careful of uh is is where is the abrahamic thing here seeping in through the back door you know we're, we're trying to undo 1400 years of programming it's not going to happen overnight no well if only that, that it would make life just so much easier but yeah, 1400 years is a um it's a hell of a long time and uh i totally missed by the way that today is the the solstice so to uh to everyone watching to everyone uh, happy solstice uh merry solstice however you you say just have a good um how important would you say is um having a altar you know whether that be a altar for uh dedicated to your your ancestors your family or the gods because that's that's one thing that is still uh very much a thing that is like still kind of kind of disputed like some people think it's very important and others are like oh you know just oh i think it's very important i think you should have an altar in everyone's home you see what happens was they took the abrahamics took the altar out of the home and put it in the church and instead of it instead of a picture of 
your grandmother or, or something belonging to your great grandparents or someone, an uncle or even a friend that died, you worked with years ago, may have died in the army or something. What they have is a picture of a rabbi nailed a stick in the Middle East, you know, and that's what they did. They took the altar out of home. If you go to Hinduism again, I go back to that, the altar was in the home. They, 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 there's a celebration of the ancestors. It's a very big deal to them. And ours would have been exactly the same. So you would have had a comb belonging to your great auntie Freya or something like that. And and it would have been there or, you know, something similar. And it would have, it would have been like a, a held boat of uh, art relic held. And it was a way of saying, I'm here because of you guys. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. And it was, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm down with the altars completely. It, they They are a very important thing. And again, it's the sanctity of the home. You see, I've written lots of books on magic and occultism. And the people don't do enough to protect the sanctity of their own home. And when you take a picture of Jesus, an image of Jesus Christ or the Virgin Mary, and you bring it into your house, you violated the magical sanctity and spiritual sanctity of your home by bringing in an outsider. Where I doubt very much if they would have had statues of Jupiter or, you know, Zeus or, you know, anyone else in the pagan pantheon in their homes i don't think they did in fact there's a very interesting theory as to why the 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 pagans if the hellenic and the roman pagans had specific temples dedicated to specific gods and goddesses that it was hit by lightning they would know that athena or zeus was annoyed i always thought that was kind of genius you know so they wouldn't mix they would have they wouldn't have mixed effigies inside the church so the way there was a so a lightning hit a temple or an earthquake took it down. They says, "Okay, Athena is pissed off for us for something, or Hecate, whatever." Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think the altar at home is important, and it doesn't have to be anything ornate or fantastic. It can be a memento. It can be a, it can be a book of a, an album, you know, that kind of thing. It can be anything, but it should be, and you don't even have to venerate it all the time. It can be just kept there as a as part of a story. You see, one of the things is when when a religion comes into conquest, like an Abrahamic religion, its primary function is to cut off the past, a great reset. We're in the second one now. And uh, they're trying to force a second great reset upon us. It's to cut the past off so you can begin with a fresh, clean slate. And so, therefore, the altar was removed from the sanctity of the magical space of the home and placed into a, a place where a priest, who was ultimately a Roman agent, uh, a Roman imperial agent could actually uh, monitor your comings and goings. It was the police state, really. I mean, people don't understand how sinister the whole thing of the church services and all that stuff was. This is why the Romans brought it in. As the Roman Empire was declining, they saw a religion that could be a way of controlling people. So, you know, this is why you had, like, in 1612, King James II of, Scot- of England and Scotland issued an edict that everyone had to be in... Uh, uh, Presbyterian churches for Good Friday, and anyone who wasn't was a Catholic or a witch, and that's how they, that's how it be all, that's how it was always been used. So they knew that the ones who weren't in church were either Catholic or witches, and they seized them, they arrest them. So there was all kinds. Oh yeah, I mean, you you start. What do you think the church register baptismal certs and all this stuff was all about, and the records of baptisms and deaths and all that? This was this was the Roman state. They're not joking when they say all roads lead back to Rome. This was, you know, the Abrahamic Christian religion was set up absolutely as a kind of a police state, a way of monitoring who was on site and who wasn't. 
And if the churches were full, we're winning. If the churches are empty, well, we got to do something about it. Yeah, well, that's that's a that's a good one. I mean, religion has always well, the major religions, at least, or the Abrahamic religions, has been very much a way of um, of controlling people, indeed. And you know, the one thing that um, that I always say you know like maybe half jokingly like if money is the root of all evil then why does the church always ask for money um <laughs> well, you know, confession, confession my god what is that a total violation of privacy you know go and confess your life to the priest and you know there in ireland there was a the, in ireland in 1798 there was an uprising against the english uh, the 1798 uprising uh, by a group called the United Irishmen. There was an actual full-scale war against the English uh, control. And there's a song from it called The Croppy Boy. And the song talks about the boy giving his confession to the priest and talking about we've trained hard, we have soldiers ready, they're stationed here, my good friend there. And at the end of the song, the priest jumps up and pulls off his cloak and he's an English officer in full robes. Now, what that song means is they were telling people, if you go to the priest and you confess before a battle, he will go straight down. The Catholic priest is Irish, calls himself Irish, will always align with the power structure. He will go right down to the British officer and he'll say, this young guy and these guys down here, they're formed a militia and they're ready to attack tonight. And this is, the, and then when I see Irish people say the church has stood by us, it has, it was the, it was the, it was the Catholic church who gave Ireland to the English, it was the Catholic Church who main contro maintained control over those. And, and th th that the Catholic Church is about, you know, that's our main enemy in true history. And yet, it were told that they were the ones who freed us and all this crap, you know, who gave us fate in our darkest hour. I mean, they didn't. They always stood by the British Empire. Yeah, like I, I wonder, like going to confession like how many secrets would those would um you know would those priests know like and how much would they like even nowadays how much would they they spill you know even with the whole um you know like pandemic quote unquote pandemic you know i i've seen well i, I haven't seen it myself but like banners on the church like jesus is not going to save you get pricked and it's like that, that defeats the whole purpose now doesn't it and you know people always they they love to consider themselves heroes you know they always say like, they always go back or uh, reach back to the second world war and oh like i would definitely you know i would give Anne frank that that place to hide and all of that but like what we have seen is that Ninety percent of the people who say they would be on the side of the good guys and on the side of the, um, you know, of the Jews and all that they rat you out in an instant, and makes me wonder, like, how many people, um, you know, would have got trouble by priests just spilling the beans, you know, spilling those confessions because. I mean that that is you know as you said it is an invasion of privacy you're telling your well, basically your your darkest inner secret the things that you you really don't want anyone anyone else to know you're telling 
the priest because he says, oh, you know, if you do that, then, you know, you're you're clean again and God will forgive you and all of that. Like, I do wonder how many people would have gotten into, uh, into trouble because, I mean, if they truly are, you know, rats like that, I imagine just the same thing going on in in these oh, times there was there was no difference between the ones who ratted out Anne Frank and her family and uh, the ones who were wearing the mask saying stay home save lives that that was you that you did that you were the same person you were the same person and uh, you're you see this is another aspect of a cowardice if you if you have to seek salvation and when we talk about salvation we're really talking about the, the dharma the fulfillment of your life the purpose of your life through an external force through things like prayer and going to confession and reading a bible you'll never attain that entirely inside you you will never be you see the, the purpose of the gods and paganism to say the path to to honor really is this is why they made such a big deal of it is to mm -hmm. actually go through all the shit and deal with your own shit and 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 atone for your own shit if you've caused it. and that's the end of it and that's you know and no one's going to save your own ass except yourself and when you have a situation again this is why the romans loved christianity those those roman traitors loved christianity because it gave them all this stuff to the state is now your savior the state is now god and where in pagan times you people would have been less likely to do that they would have been this is why communism and marxism and abrahamism are so similar they're all about salvation by the adherence to the state but um the the notion of you you making a sacrifice you know the motion of you suffering you know I, I have you know i have to do this it's going to cause suffering to me and others probably but it has to be done it's the only way out of it and then you say why did i do that why did i okay you know it, it, you 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 have an affair with your brother's wife okay and you think about it later and you go i really shouldn't have done that that was really a fucked up thing i did i've got to find a way to atone for that somehow i've got to maybe i don't want him to find out because he might be upset about it but i've got to do something to really fucking atone for that a sacrifice a serious sacrifice i don't know i'm going to get i'm going to give all half of my pay for months to the homeless on the streets something like that you know find something but if you just go to a priest and say i shagged my my sister-in-law and i what i feel bad about all oh, your sins are forgiven that's the end of that what have you learned what have you where, where's the personal growth because if someone actually transforms their what your, your bad deeds into sacrifice there's an element of contemplation you're learning, you're exploring yourself. You're going inside and saying, that's my shadow. My shadow is dark and I've got to solve that shadow. In that particular situation, the, 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 the darkest aspects you know, came to the surface. The demons rose up. I've got to deal with this somehow. And then that kind of thing, you know, and um, people, you're never told that. You're told that you go to the church and ask God for forgiveness. In Catholics and Protestants, you know, just, I, jesus forgives me the lord forgives me you know these christian ministers in, in america you know, <laughs> that are filmed with prostitutes like jimmy swaggered i have sinned and the lord forgives me you know this kind of thing i'm so sorry i've sinned but that's not that's that's redemption and sacrifice are two different things 
you don't redeem yourself you sacrifice you 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 have to you have to you have to you'll only you'll only attain your honor if you apply the level of hurt that you did to your brother-in-law to yourself you understand that the man yeah. pain if he found out that his brother that he loved and his wife that he loved had an affair he, how that would affect him only that level of pain that you must sacrifice and that's honor and that's why our ancestors went to wars and stuff a lot of the times because they were they wanted to actually cleanse themselves of things like that and burn it out into a different an exchange of energy when you go to the church what where is the exchange of energy what do you get from it you get nothing you get nothing you don't you don't i'll come back next week after i beat up that old lady and took her money i'll just go back next week and ask jesus to forgive me what do you learn where do you grow and this is why we have a world in the western world what we have are a world full of children adult <laughs> children who have yeah. not who have not grown up and this is why you have drag queen story time and the pride movement uh, and all these snowflakes and people trump derangement syndrome and elon musk and things that are completely meaningless to your life that you make the center of your misery and you call you cause yourself anguish with is because we have adult children who have not sacrificed sacrifice is the key to your own happiness enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder can i make a podcast but it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podcasting Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. Yeah, I think this is a uh, this is a good comment from uh, from Lila. Uh, personally, I think Christianity is for the younger souls, whereas paganism is for the older ones. I, I do. I do like that. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's not that's a pretty good one. I like that, too. Yeah, but like it is indeed like what do you learn? You learn that, you know, to say a you know, a couple Hail Marys and like all is forgiven. It's it's the easy way out. Um and like I, I do think um and that has very much come with uh with Abrahamism and later, you know, in into the, the whole political spectrum and uh that there is someone will come to save us whether that be you know jesus or or god or trump or elon or yay or i don't i I, i'm still i still don't know if we consider kanye a good guy or a bad guy now Um, uh, everything and we're going to they're they're the last ones to save us we're going to be punished by climate change or melting ice caps it's all the book of revelations is just rebuilt over and over again and, and yeah. I hear these people say to me, like, I've, even in, I'll have people deal with me, what are the globalists? And I say they're Abrahamics. No, they're Satanists and Lucifer. No, they're not. They're classic Abrahamics. Do what they say or the ice caps will melt. It's exactly the same thing as the book of Revelations. Do as we say or just, you know, your, your soul doesn't go, the rapture won't take you to heaven. And it's exactly the same playbook used over and over again.
they're not Satanists. We'd be actually better off if they were Satanists. We'd, be a, we'd have a much happier world than what we have now. <laughs> and that's true because Satanism is just really about like just no bullshit, just being direct and honest. And, uh, uh, you know, so it's like, you know, oh, they're devil. No, no, they're, they're Jesus worshippers. They're Abraham worshippers. They're using the same playbook, but they want to wipe us all out. Well, go and read Leviticus. Go and read what Jehovah did to the Canaanites and did to the Pharisees. You know, that's and then then tell me if they're 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 not Abrahamics. They're absolutely they're poor Abrahamics. Yeah, yeah, that's the one thing I find uh, funny. You know, speaking of um, you know Satanism and the devil and all of that. Like, if you look in the Bible. Uh, Jehovah or God has a very much a larger body count than the devil does. I know, but well, but still, uh, still he's God. considered the good guy. You know, oh, you know like I know a great a great role in my uh, pagan path was actually Satanism. I read the Devil's Bible by Anton Lavey when I was about fourteen, or fifteen. And I have to say that book to this day still resonates greatly with me. It just all did was spoke about those, those kind of hypocrisies that you just mentioned within Christianity. And it basically, it, it, you know, and it's, it, it gave lots of things like the old pagan religions were good for this and good for that and so on. And uh, so there was a lot of like, there, there was a lot of good, good information for me and Anton LaVey's work. And so like, this is the other thing about we being pagans, right? We don't mm -hmm. go, I only believe in Lou and everything else is a sin. I only believe in Votan, everything else. Pagans will actually even, like like Hindus, will actually even look at some Christian philosophies and say, that's not bad, I like that. I like what that guy said, and I like what she said. And and you, you go, and you get that in paganism too. They'll say something like, you know, or in Hinduism, they'll say somewhere like, they'll, 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 you have it in Hindu temples in the forecourt. You might even have a statue of the Virgin Mary next to Buddha because there'll be something there that someone liked about it. But it doesn't become the central focus. It's not in the temple. It's outside it. It's this kind of like this kind of thing. And so a pagan would say, would sit back and go, oh, I like what Antoine Neve wrote in the devil's Bible, in the, the satanic Bible. That's okay. That's cool. I like that. But it doesn't mean you're becoming a Satanist. It's an incorporation. It's an influence. You know, it's it's a thing. We, we, we're, you know, you look at the work of Carl Jung and, and Joseph Campbell. We, they're not, they weren't pagans, but it was all about that idea every story is has a good story within it and you can't be a fanatic well, that's a that, that to me is the greatest reason to become a pagan you won't become a fanatic you won't become a fanatic yeah yeah that's the i mean that's that's the one thing you still uh, see a lot of those abrahamic people saying that uh like only our god is a true god and all the other gods like your gods oh they're just demons pretending to be gods you know well, and when, and their religion is probably the ultimate example of that. Yeah, I just I I can't stand those com those comments and like I I want to bet like I don't have a lot of knowledge of um you know of Christianity or Catholicism you know I never read read the Bible but still with um you know my grandparents uh, they were Roman Catholic my parents were raised Roman Catholic they. Uh, eventually fell off their faith now they're like i don't i don't really know what they are um but you know it doesn't really uh doesn't really matter they're still they're still good people even without religion which is something i, I mean I, you don't... I, I know a pagan would always judge a person on their personality they don't they, we don't give a shit what god you worship 
that's the irony of Christianity flourished under paganism. Why? Because we're tolerant. We're by our nature, we're tolerant. I mean, yeah. if you read Catherine Nixie's The Darkening Age, it was the tolerance for Christianity which made Christians dissemble armies and 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 you and militia groups who would order to take down Rome. It was the our tolerance was our our problem. We were too kind. We were too nice. We said, oh, "What is your God?" Okay. If you look at the history of the uh, powerful pagan empires, whether they be the Hindus, whether they be the the uh, the Romans or the Greeks, it's always the same. Uh, minority religions flourished and were left alone. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, like I I do see that that um, pagans or like the the real pagans, there are a lot more. Uh, more tolerant and um, you know still I, I do believe that I know more of the uh, the Abrahamic faiths than your average Christian knows of paganism but even the average Abrahamic the average Christian knows nothing about Christianity you can actually touch yeah. they all think it's all this loving religion of all peace and Jesus and then you point out to them that in, in, the, in the gospel of St. Matthew Jesus Christ refers to pagans children as dogs you know it's like no he didn't it's in your own book please read the synoptic gospel <laughs> you know they know nothing about they're the most ignorant people of all when it comes to knowing about their own religion yeah yeah most christians like they they'll, they'll have a bible on their nightstands because you know that's what a good christian is supposed to have but they never read they never read one word of it yeah. um which is hilarious in a way. Like, how, how do I, as a pagan, how do I know your religion better than you do yourself? I know. They give they put Bibles in hotel rooms to like give you comfort to the stranger. You know, you could I can guarantee you, you pick up that Bible, that Gideon's Bible, and you flick through it, the, the, you, and you have two pages open in front of you, and somewhere in those two pages, this so-called God is killing someone or raping them or murdering them. And then you say, yeah. oh, this is the God of peace and love, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Just, you know, wipes out humanity because of shit yeah. that we did. But he is loving and caring. And yeah, yeah, yeah. no, when, I don't, when, I don't when, think when, so. When he raped Mary of Nazareth to impregnate her with Jesus, it was like a, an out and out rape, you know? And then you're like, oh, she had immaculate conception. Mm, she was raped, you know? <laughs> yeah and oh like immaculate conception that must have not been a pleasant birth if like that was you know truly your first time if you are a well truly a virgin and you give birth that must have been hell that must have been hell to go through joseph the cuckold he knows that oh that's not god true. and so that's like oh you you, you know the ultimate cuckold joseph you know yeah like, eh, what you know you know Basically, they had a cuckold chair in the nativity scene. That's why he should be. <laughs> oh, but it's okay because yeah. it was God. In the nativity scene, you would have the cuckold chair for for uh, for for Joseph to sit in while Jehovah is doing the business with his with his wife. And people uh. don't people don't think about that. I mean, if you if you were to explain it to a pagan, they would burst out laughing. I could imagine in the early days of paganism. Before the main big saints came along and you had these hermits and zealots who infiltrated Europe and they said, they told the story of, well, well, hold on a second, this guy shagged his wife, got her pregnant and he looked after the baby and he was okay with it. 
and they would have burst out laughing. They would have just burst <laughs> out laughing. But you know, they they had to change the culture first and then sell them but sell them the bullshit. Yeah. Cause like where where is the honor in that, you know, raising someone else's child? Like it, indeed, as you said, you know, the, only out of kindness and goodness, yes. Yeah, but no, of course. Order, I mean in order to do it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I have um I have two children of my own, you know, I got a, a beautiful daughter and a and a you know, an amazing son. But my um, my daughter, I mean, you know, she well, technically she isn't mine, but I have been raising her. I have been the only stable father figure in her life ever since she was like a year and a half old. And she'll be turning. Oh, God, she'll be turning eight in April. So, yeah, but, that's you know, done, but that's done out of love and human decency. Yeah, it's, it's not done because Donar told you to do it or else. Oh no, no! I mean, donor, donor would be the last one to tell me. Yeah, I know, but that's the, that's the Abrahamic message, though, isn't it? Do it or else. And it was done yeah, for, it was done for selfish reasons. I'm too busy up here in the clouds, yeah, passing judgment. You rate, you have the hard work of raising a child. Yeah, and that's like that's the one thing that um, that kept me from Catholicism, kept me from Christianity, because you know, like I I tried the whole thing because. I mean, it's easy. It's there. Why not? It's it. Well, it's always been the, you know, believe or else. You know, do as I say or else. You know, it's that part that really just struck a nerve with me. It just brought on too much stress. Yeah. Because I was always, always, you know, watching my words, watching my deeds, watching it, like what what I'm thinking, and I just I couldn't. I was like, nah, this, this is not for me. I can't, I can't do this. This is too much. Like, how, how does, how do people do this? Like, how do they live? I know like the, this? The, the the amount of dissociation that's needed to be a Christian is incredible. Oh, the yeah. Prince, the Prince of Peace and the God of Love, and he has armies with like crucifixes on their, you know, banners and what, you know, we're killing in the name of love. We're killing in the name of peace, you know. And this whole that everything—it's—it's it's like it, you have to gaslight yourself literally every moment of every hour in order to be a good Christian. Yeah, comes to mind the uh, very popular saying like "bombing for peace" is like fucking for virginity. Yeah, exactly. And 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 the beautiful thing about paganism is that our gods and goddesses are all flawed. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're just like us. This—that's a big. That's actually a big thing. You know, none of, them, none of them claim to be perfect. They they get drunk, they have their wives fight with them, they do stupid things, and uh, <laughs> oh boy, do they! Yeah, because and that's just that because they're us, they're us. Yeah, you know, and they're us, and uh, there's no there's, there's they're they're us extrapolated into a kind of a super archetype that we kind of like can use as a role model rather than a guide in our lives where it's a role model rather than an edict yeah 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 i think that's that's very very well put very very beautifully uh beautifully set and especially the you know the fighting with the wives like donar he may be a uh you know the strongest god of all but he doesn't dare go against his wife yeah yeah i and, mean I have to laugh at the expression, what would Jesus do? Well, all he, 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 you know, 
make some furniture and then walk around the desert with a bunch of taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for 40 days and 40 nights, even though if you like look it up on Google Maps, it's what, like not even a day? It's like, how do you walk around in the desert for 40 days and just yeah. like not die from dehydration or starvation or i mean they're they're beautiful stories in the yeah. bible but i mean that's that's about it i had a i, I had an idea for a, a you know one of these fleeting ideas i have on the train now and again to write a movie script that go, ends nowhere but i had an idea that why was you know jesus was a carpenter and he was crucified mm -hmm. on the cross the idea would be that one of the apprentices that was in Joseph's workshop was the guy that built the cross to actually crucify. Now, okay, if that's heavy, but think about it. Isn't that really a pagan kind of aspect to it? If you wanted to paganize the story of Jesus, well, he had a guy beside him who was actually resentful of him, and he was the one who eventually built the crucifix to nail him to. Wouldn't more people find that more me deeply meaningful? Think about it, you know, because you're saying like instead of you know that we're told for the 30, first 33 years of his life he did nothing, but then this as, adds another aspect to it: the aspects of fate, karma, and dharma, as well as uh, the and then you have then the story has a real meaning that the guy who had this resentment for him is the one who actually builds his cross. Now that you would hmm. find that very that that I and I was like that's a great thing I forget about it. That's what I'm like, you know. I have these great ideas. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's like you know, I would find Christianity much more interesting than, you know, imagine it was someone like Judas and he held this resentment against them. But no, you're not. You're not given. You ever notice that Christian Christian stories and Abrahamic stories are full of loose ends? Like, well, okay, tell us about when he was a carpenter. What really happened? Oh, nothing happened. And that's why people throw in things like Mary Magdalene and he went to India and stuff like that. And they're usually fairly air, airy, fairy. But what about Jesus for the first 33, 30 years or whatever? It was really dark. You know, it was like a, an alcoholic womanizer. That, that's the guy, these guys had it up against them. I think that would be a much more appealing Jesus character because at the end, the sum total of his life would have full meaning as a man rather than as a mystical figure. Yeah. And I think that that is indeed what you uh, what you find a lot more in in I paganism. Agree. You know, our our gods are well archetypes. Indeed, they are well much easier to relate to as well because they are flawed. Because they are, I mean, in a way, they are still human, even though they are, um, I guess, more enlightened than us in a way um no pagan god would ask him to sacrifice his only son on a rock no. Hell and, no. and no pagan would obey a god that would come to do that because if you no. some it's, it's a you know if you look in hinduism the assumption would be that's a demon pretending to be the god i will not sacrifice my son where in Christianity, uh, Abrahamism, Abraham was ready to stick the knife right, and, I, and that's 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 the touchstone for all the the three great religions, as they call them. You know, a guy who was going to kill his son for voices in his head. You know, uh, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm actually. It's funny that you bring that up. I'm actually uh, reading a book by um, a Dutch author. He is um lovingly called uh, the dutch dan brown because his his books are very much in the 
in the same line, written in the same way, um, like just very easy to get through, but very well written. And he starts off um, his book or the, the book that I'm reading now with that, uh, with the story of, um, of Abraham sacrificing his son and that nowhere in that passage um, it says that uh, eventually his son goes down, goes back down the mountain with him. It's implied, but it's never said. It's it's only uh, like Abraham with his slaves eventually makes his way to what is it like Israel or Jerusalem or whatever. And I, yeah, just somewhere. Um, and I think. I think that's beautiful, and I've I've now come to a point um, in the in the book where even a um, I believe it's a, a Catholic priest acknowledges, and the, like this is how you know it's fiction, but acknowledges that yeah, that's one thing that I never got. That's the one thing I still wonder myself, and you know, like how. Did it and where did his son go? Yeah, because I mean he wasn't sacrificed, or you know they say he wasn't sacrificed was you know replaced by a, a goat or whatever. But then where is he? Where where does it say that he comes down the mountain with his father? And Isaac is a whole other character and a whole other story. This is the thing too. You bring up a very good point then. Anyone who's watching this video and considering moving towards paganism, I think it's very important not to hate Christianity or any other Abrahamic religion. You can laugh at the absurdities in it, but we often we often laugh at the absurdities in our own our own spiritual things as well. Oh yeah, but, but like you're not going to become a good pagan by hating Christians or hating Jews or hating Muslims. I mean, and also as a, as a pagan, yeah, or all this shit, I could still walk by a beautiful cathedral or a beautiful mosque. Or something like that, or I can hear some rabbi singing in in Abra in in Hebrew, some some prayer from the Torah, and I cannot deny the beauty in that. And so, therefore, you know, that's that's what being a pagan as well. You can you can appreciate uh, that there's it's not all it's not binary thinking of good and bad. There's lots of gray area, and I think some some emerging i might have been accused of being of hating christians i don't hate any christians i have loads of close friends who are christians i don't hate catholicism or anything like that i'm frightened by jihad and, and crusade and i guess the only thing about it jihad and crusade as a pagan and what was done to my ancestors makes me nervous but that doesn't mean i have a hatred against any christian or any muslim or anything like that it's you know and so that's the whole thing we don't have binary thinking so there are, I do meet pagans in the early days, and they're, they're, they're kind of become very anti-Christian. That's a stage. You're born out of that eventually. And then one day you'll be walking down the street and see a beautiful, you'll see the, a, stat, a picture of Roman Michelangelo, a little statue of the Paita, and you say, well, you can't deny the beauty and the, the magnificence and that. And so, therefore, that's a beautiful part of being a pagan is that you learn a form of tolerance because this is all part of the journey, the, the sacrifice, the yeah. learning that kind of thing. <clears throat> yeah, you see that um, a lot still, that um, people who call themselves pagan are merely pagan because they are, well, quite literally anti-Christ. Yeah, you get that a lot in American pagan circles. I, I mean, a lot of them, like, uh, uh, quite a lot of pagan followers in the U.S., 
and a lot of them in the military there are, are ex-military and some of them are quite anti-christian and i'm saying it, it's just it's when you think about it i said when you have a hatred or something it's generally insecurity about it you're afraid of it at some level and therefore yeah. you're worried that it could damage you at some level so the thing is to actually not see it as a threat and then it will just vanish uh, because it's really about you know that's another thing this this like sort of like this heroic lord and being inspired by the likes of say Kukolin or or, or Votan Odin is this notion that like you've got to actually go through the shit and when you go through the real hard shit the little small small shit like philosophical political or religious differences don't exist anymore that's what I'm saying earlier on about so many adult children today they've never really suffered in their lives therefore yeah. they have nightmares about Elon Musk on Twitter when they oh, really like when they should be having they've never because they've never had any problems in their lives of any great magnitude yeah yeah you, uh, you see that a lot too with the um like there are uh, many popular TikTok videos of a uh, like a day in the life of someone working at twitter or google or whatever and those companies they are basically adult daycare. Oh yeah. I mean, I I've worked as a um, as a cook. I've worked as a chef for close to eleven years. And when I see those videos, I'm like, I do more in an hour than you do in your whole day. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And so they go to university, they get a degree, on to sit around all day playing video games and being influencers on Instagram. And yeah. It's no they've no understanding of the real world none no and i think that's you know weak mm -hmm. men create hard times and we're we're definitely seeing that now and indeed you know like you said if the if your biggest fear is some billionaire taking over a social media platform while all other social media platforms or the bigger ones are owned by other billionaires <laughs> It's like, what are you worried about? Like, why is this something that you are so upset about? Like, it doesn't affect you in any way. Yeah, it's 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 like the it's like the old adage: every great civilization begins as stoic and dies as Epicurean. And that's exactly we're absolutely at the end of the Epicurean thing here. And the only thing on the other end of this will be Stoicism. And again. Another that's another lesson from our pagan ancestors. There's so many lessons in pagan mythology, philosophy, and religion, spirituality that's so useful to us today. That's another reason I want people, I wish people would embrace it more because there's so many is it provides a phenomenal toolkit for the present day survival of your sanity. Yeah, it definitely does. And as a uh as a final word we're uh, we're over an hour in i mean i can i can go on and on but i don't want to make it too long as a uh, as a final I'll word i'll come back and we'll do another one awesome awesome thank you in the new year yeah yeah no of course of course uh like out after uh friday after the 24th 23rd i'm taking a, a bit of a break anyway i've been doing a lot been doing too much but uh what would you recommend as uh, as well sources just general sources for budding pagans or people who are interested in paganism and um, want to learn more want to know more where would, where would you 
recommend they uh, they go to or look into? Yeah, people ask me this all the time. It's a very hard one to answer because they say, what's a good book to learn paganism from? And I says, what you don't understand, we're not, as the, as the Muslims say, people of the book. We're, uh, we don't have a canon or a text or a book of rules or a Ten Commandments. So it's very difficult. But I, off, I, I do point to certain things like I say, like, well, a, a good way to start begin is to study the mythology of your ancient ancestors to read up on that get up on that because there's lots of that that will actually shift your consciousness a good book to read that's come out in recent years is the darkening age by Catherine nixie which talks about the end of the roman pagan empire and the beginning of the christian empire and that will undo any notions that you're you know somehow a failed jew and you're supposed to be like somehow middle eastern that that and i'm putting down i'm putting jewish people down i'm just saying from era from there what they did to us and uh, mm -hmm. so on and i think that was that that book is very kind of therapeutic and in, in that it says yeah that okay i'm not you know it's like i'm not am i christian i'm not really am i i just got to be programmed this way and uh, it shows you like the the horrific horrors that was unleashed against the pagans it, it, at the end you know after the the edict of milan and then you have the um, you know i i you know there's it one of these there's, there's, there's some some silly stereotypes about paganism one is that it's a nature-based religion it's not that comes from the hippie bait that's a part of it but that's not necessarily it uh you know that's not necessarily it you know i would say the fundamentals of paganism would be you know a belief that our consciousness can change reality that we are all somehow expressions of gods in some way and that reincarnation is also a an aspect to it as well so, but communication of nature is actually a beautiful way of doing it rather than thinking you know, i i'm a, i'm a nature spirit no don't be like that go go camp in the woods go for a walk i mean go challenge yourself a big part of his challenge like there's a bog a quite a dangerous bog near where i live and it's not safe to cross at night and there's one foot it's like it's like a dead march literally in in tolkien's lord of the rings and one mm. step in the direction you're dead well when i was first diving into this world deeply i would walk across that bog and pitch blackness at night uh, risking my life and by the time i got to the end that would be that would be an amazing elated feeling and it made me realize that i was calling upon the powers inside myself to achieve that so it, there's lots of books out there i i really couldn't recommend one on paganism i mean i've got a book called the druid code and i'm not pushing it but that might might help people <laughs> that might help people understand where i was coming from and it might help you, but it's not like anything like this is the word. This was just a, a, how I came to where where I am. And there's loads of other books like that, you know. And uh, but you know, read them all. Uh, see what sits with you. See what feels right inside your heart. And the gods and goddesses will guide you to the rest of the way. And uh, that's basically it. But the, oh, try and break from this notion of there should be a touchstone. You know, there should be like communication with the ancient woods and stuff I find very powerful. So, you know, there's, there's, it, it's, it's a slow, like we're dealing with 1400 years of ancestral programming that you have to undo. And we can't, not going to undo that overnight. So don't expect to wake up tomorrow morning and be a, a druid or a seder. Don't respect that. <laughs> or, or, or Maryland or something, you know, but, but understand that it's a beautiful journey and 
you'll see it in every I, I see paganism in everything now even in science fiction stories and that's another important thing don't believe it is a religion or a spiritual tradition from the past don't believe you're living in the middle ages because there will be pagans who build rocket ships supercomputers and this pay you know and, and we embrace technology because there's a story there too so that's another one don't get stuck in this thing that if i've become a pagan i have to either to develop the aesthetic or the mindset of someone in the middle ages no you be a pagan now and you looked and i find hinduism is a great one as well there's some great books on hinduism and videos out there on, on hinduism and the, everything that can kind of help to dissolve the abrahamic kind of like overcoating on you mm -hmm. brings the pagan soul out so that's what i would suggest to people and also enjoy it enjoy the journey don't feel you have to do it to get to heaven or asgard or somewhere like that <laughs> do it for tiernanog do it because you it's out of love and out of happiness not out of an interest it's you'll find that the pagan path i, I know you you probably said it's tremendously interesting and you meet all kinds of interesting people that have very and they're all different they've all come with their own different way but they're all yeah. ultimately doing it their own way and, and that and you know so there's a, there's a fantastic diversity in paganism and it didn't stop in the middle ages it continues to the present so that's what i would say to people yeah yeah i've i've come to find that that is indeed the biggest challenge to not get stuck in that middle age viking time um I've been in uh, at least one group who was very much stuck in that, and it's really hard to uh, to grow. It's really hard to uh, to find your path if that's the only path that is uh, that is being walked. And I guess that comes with you know tolerance and being open minded and exploring yeah, well, other other things, exploring other other pantheons. And uh, you know, as, as you said, like no no pagans are uh, are the same a good friend of mine uh from the from the tribe he is a germanic pagan as well but we're still very much different you know he still he practices in his way i practice in my way but we believe in the same gods we believe in the same pantheon that's the way and it should be it's very easy to call yourself a viking in the 21st century when you have central heating for um four meals a day <laughs> You don't have to sleep outdoors. Your balls aren't crawling with lice and uh, this kind of thing. You know, uh, it's very easy to call yourself a pagan when you don't have to live in those the hardships of those times. So you know, uh, people need to remind themselves of that now and again. No, no, no. You, you you're not a warrior if you go home at the end of the day to a nice centrally heated apartment and uh, a steak dinner. You know. No, it's. Uh... I mean, be happy that you have those luxuries, but don't because fool yourself. They would have loved it. They would have loved it too. Yeah. Oh boy, would they? Yeah, you know, you, you don't have you're not covered in intestinal worms and all this kind of thing. <laughs> oh God. So, so yeah, in, just enjoy the luxuries, but don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself, and uh, and prepare yourself for your next life, especially if you get over fifty and you're still a young man. But like me. I'm actually actively trying to prepare myself for the the next part of the journey, so uh, it's it's all about and it's a beautiful thing actually. I have to say, you have to say like uh, when I come back, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to make corrections to what I did and that, and uh, it, it takes the whole thing of the fear based thing of like 
oh, if I don't do this, I won't be allowed by Saint Peter into heaven. That's all gone, mm-hmm. and you're actually, and again, you're learning. You're you're being wise. You're being, it's a you be you're writing the the saga that is yourself, and you become a paganism, and you become into paganism. That's beautiful. I like that. Yeah. Writing so, your own saga. Yes. Yeah, the good and the bad. It all it's all part of the same thing. Yes, I think that's uh, that's a great uh, great point to uh, to end it on. Um, thank you so much for coming. Um, is there anything you uh, you like to plug? Is there anything that um, that you're working on now that um, um, yeah. the, good, the good people should check out? I'm currently working on a documentary uh, on the Pendle Witches, which was a witchcraft trial that took place in the 1600s, early 1600s in England with my friend Dean MacDonald. It's a big project. It's not going to be out till next year, but look out for that. And if you want to check out stuff like what I do, I'm interested in a lot of things, but my Beyond Room 313 channel on on YouTube is probably the best place for that. There's a lot of pagany kind of stuff and megalithic exploration and all that kind of stuff in there. Awesome. Um, I have already put some uh, some links up in the uh in the description if there um if there is any more that you uh, would like in there just send them um send them in an email let me know i'll uh, i'll put them in there yep. um so yeah this yeah. was this was a great talk i uh, i absolutely uh, enjoyed this thank you very much for uh, for coming on um yep. i would love to uh, would love to have you on again but in in the new year of course, uh, it's uh, yep. it's getting late, late in the year, and we're all going to be busy with uh, Christmas, Yule, the New Year. So, I work, I work in a restaurant that I'm, I'm sure you're very, very busy. But anyway, oh uh, yeah, no, I uh, I had to uh, had to quit, unfortunately. Um, two uh, two bad knees and a bad back will uh, will have you quit. Um, but I have uh, I have something new. Uh, lined up already it's uh, i'm just in a uh, in between period in between phase at the moment so well this is great i really enjoyed myself so to you and all your listeners uh good yule merry solstice sounds and uh, yo saturnalia and uh we'll see you when the sun rises again thank you yes we will thank you this has been the greyhorn pagans podcast with your host stan fox and thomas sheridan thank you all for watching thank you all for listening and have a good day until next time see ya see ya